0: They are correct. It is that time for the Employment Law Show. Thank you so much for joining us. John School's here and my good pal, John Pincus, courtesy of St. to Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, is co-hosting, doing all the heavy lifting on the show today, as he always does, right? Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address as well. And coming up this hour, we'll get to this. Everything you need to know about medical leaves, John will fill us in big time in that regard. But uh, you also have a website you can use anytime as well. We'll give you more contact information. Throughout the show, Pocket Employment Lawyer.ca. I'll give you more details on that in uh, in just a few minutes. But John, we always start off, pal. with the week that was, I know you got a couple things you want to uh, want to bring about. What do you got, pal?
1: Yeah, good to be back, uh, John. I haven't yeah, been man. here in a while, and uh, there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of uh, layoffs uh, that we've been hearing, uh, particularly at tech companies like uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, huge layoffs. So a lot of a lot of employment issues. A lot of people, unfortunately, left. Uh, without uh, without their jobs, in some cases, receiving very poor severance packages or no severance packages. Uh, and everyone should know that uh, you do have rights in this situation and you have significant severance rights uh, in Ontario. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we'll start with a few situations like we always do. Um, and the first situation I want to talk about involves someone who had been working for a company for about five years, a marketing company, A couple of years ago, hired a new lawyer uh, to look over their employment contracts and to update them. And as a result of that, all the employees at the company, all of them, uh, were presented with new employment contracts to look over. They were all told, get a lawyer, you know, take your time, take a week and Hmm. sign and return it. So some employees did that, reviewed it with a lawyer, decided it was fine and returned it. Now, this particular individual came to me. And of course, what I always say when someone is given a new contract, midway through employment is be very, very careful. Think about why you're getting this employment contract right now. Why are you getting it when you already have the job? Are you getting a new position? Are you getting a raise? Okay, maybe in that case, it makes sense. Or yeah. is it because like in this case, the company decided they wanted to amend their contract to give themselves new rights to your mm-hmm. detriment. Uh, so, and And most likely, if you're getting a contract midway through employment, it is the latter. In fact, that is exactly what this was. Uh, This was a contract that substantially reduced this person's termination entitlements. So here's what I told him. I said, look, you may lose your job if you don't sign this. That's true. But if you do sign it and you lose your job, you're going to be kicking yourself because you will have just thrown away tens of thousands of dollars in severance. So he lets the company know, well, thanks, but no thanks. I am not going to sign it. And the company knew there was nothing that it could do because they can't force him to sign a new contract. So he kept working there. No problem. Uh, Fast forward a couple years, he calls me. This is about a week ago. And he says, John, you'll never believe it. My entire department was downsized. They let everyone go in the department (laughs) except for three people, me and the two other people who did not sign the contract. Now, wow. now, isn't that interesting why was he not let go almost undoubtedly because they knew that that he had not signed the contract and if And because he had not signed the contract, they would have had to pay him a significant severance package as compared to his colleagues who did sign the contract, lost their job, and received terrible severance packages. Uh, In some cases, they may not have been able to do anything about it. So ironically, refusing to sign the contract actually saved his job. And, wow. and I, so I really hope not. Of course, this doesn't happen every time. Sometimes people don't sign a contract and they and they let you go. Right. So that's not to say this is always what happens. But this can be the case. And I really hope this is a lesson to anyone who's receiving a new contract and worried about losing their job. Um, that if you don't sign, always speak to an employment lawyer. Know what's in it. Explore your options. You might be um, uh, you might be surprised at the result.
0: Got uh, got Ravi joining us. Hey, Ravi, how are you? Uh,
2: Good, good. Um, I'm on the line with John, right?
0: Yeah, both Johns. right. You got me. Okay.
2: Hi, hi John. Um, So this is my situation. This is on behalf of my spouse. Um, She's worked about a year and a half at a um, municipality, right? And um, a lot of turmoil has happened in her department. Her boss got laid off because he didn't want to get his vaccine shot. She's bouncing around acting managers, didn't have a manager for a while, and they have a new manager, right? And so, um, you know, she's been... Shouldering a lot of the workload, uh, she felt unfairly, um, kind of, uh, it, it seems to me there was a lot of harassment for more performance or more mm-hmm. expectation, like more workload, and they were satisfied with it. Fine, that's fair enough. So then um, one day, her manager, her director, and HR just ambushed her, asked for an emergency meeting, and they came up with this weird document called the Performance Management Document. And they listed all these things they wanted, like say a dozen things they wanted. They had new expectations, a lot of them not necessarily in her job description. They have a lot of falsehoods, like this person complained about you, you have behavior problems, communication issues, yada, yada, yada. And she didn't agree with it. But the thing is, this is how they left it. They said, if you don't sign this document, you may be uh, disciplined or dismissed. And so mm-hmm. and and the the document at the end lists you know sign your name as a receipt of this but mm-hmm. in what I've learned in this world is if you don't sign anything you don't agree with once you sign that they can they could possibly terminate you for cause or something like that is that it, it feels like blackmail to me can they do that well, can an employer do well, that
1: Robbie, you're right to be concerned, and this is this is the classic performance improvement plan, right? They have different names for it, but typically that's what we call it a performance improvement plan or a pip. Now I, I, I almost never uh, advise people not to sign it. Um that's not necessarily the best way to respond. Usually, what I say is, you know, especially if they're just asking you to sign it to confirm receipt. Um, then you can sign it, but you don't want to just sign it. You don't want to leave it at that. So you can sign it and you can put comments on it. Often what I like to recommend to clients is sign it and email them and state your disagreement to the extent you have a disagreement. So it's not a problem, especially if they're just asking you to acknowledge receipt, right you don't want yeah. to refuse to acknowledge receipt because she did receive it right so you're not you're not conceding yeah. anything if if all it says is i acknowledge that i receive this you're not conceding that you agree with it just by acknowledging receipt. receipt. but just but you but you pressure. have
2: to tell them what you don't agree on and what you exactly
1: agree exactly so what i would what i would typically recommend in this situation and you know the the best practice actually would be to to um Send us a copy of it so we can have a consultation and, and, and discuss how best to respond. But generally speaking, what you want to do is you want to say, okay, in a very respectful and uh, polite email, say, uh, I've, I've read over the performance improvement plan. Here are the things that I think are fair. You know, I agree with this. I agree with this. I agree with this. Here are the things that I think are unfair. Here are the things that I have no idea where they're coming from. They're totally out mm-hmm. of left field. And I just can't agree with them at all. And if you put that in writing, you can't stop them from 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 letting her go, but if she puts that in writing, she, and then and they terminate her employment later, you have put yet another hurdle in what's already a very difficult thing for an employer to do, which is just cause for performance. So if you do that, you, you should sleep better at night because you've done your due diligence, you've done everything you can do, and then you're in the hand you're in their hands. But, but, right? but the municipality here, here, here. will do what they're going to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, but my, my quick thing is it, it's like a dozen things they ask of her, right? And it's mm-hmm. kind of like Kyrie Irving, his Brooklyn Nets, asked him to do like all these things to get your. <laughs> That's what it right. feels like. Can we actually say, I don't agree with a lot of these and it needs to be discussed again? I, re- I acknowledge receipt, but all of this needs to be discussed again. Because
1: right. they'll throw it at you. Right. So that's a little bit different. You want to be a little bit more careful with that, right? Because if she refuses to do things that are arguably implicit in the responsibilities of her position or um, incidental to her position, right, and mm. she refuses to do them, then that starts to get into uh the realm of potentially insubordination which can be caused for dismissal but can it it be constructive dismissal because they're trying to change your job description it could be but again you also want to be very careful with that because if you leave and it's not a constructive dismissal it is a resignation and just because something is not explicitly uh mentioned in an employment contract or a job description does not mean that it is something you can refuse to do. It has to be something really outside. What, one what one quick question for I leave:
2: yeah. Re- refusing mm-hmm. to do something that you know you wasn't, you weren't sure was in your job. Like they go, 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 do some training, go do some community service, go volunteer. It's like kind of like stuff like that, right? It's not like not stuff in your job. So it's well, like I, if you refuse to do those
1: extra things, that's not
2: that's not I'm not resigning I'm just not I'm just refusing to do things that I don't think are in my job
1: are arguably not but again, that that's going to require, I think, a little bit more closer look at not just what they've asked her to do, but the employment contract she has, her uh, uh, her job description, the history of what she did. What I what is a a good first step before you before you refuse to do anything before you know you may think about anything like assert constructor constructive dismissal, which should definitely not be done without the help of a lawyer. Uh, the yep. first thing that you want to do is to have a discussion with them. Say, I, I, I'm confused. I've never had to do these things before. Where is this coming from? This doesn't appear in my job description. Kind of put it to them to explain where this is coming from. And and, and at the very least, if you do that, then if you go and you have a consultation with myself or, or another employment lawyer, now, now we can really assess it in more detail. Okay, here's what they're saying. Here's their defense. And we can actually assess, um, you know, if you were to bring constructive dismissal, now we know what they would say. And we can help assess whether that um, would actually be a valid construction. Oh, okay. So, um,
2: just a quick question: uh, Is your consultation free, or is it cost? Like, how does it work with you guys? Like,
1: mm-hmm. it's really going to depend on the situation. So, all, all I can recommend is John will give you the number. You can give us a call, and uh, we'll uh, we'll let you know if there's a cost and, and what that cost would be.
0: Good way to get warmed up. Thanks for the call, brother. Here is that number to reach out to John and his team. Do not hesitate. You're going to want that further conversation that we had here the, uh, on this show today. 1 855 821 5900 is how you do that. And uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue with the employment law. You'll stand by. Move we, uh, before we move on to everything you need to know about medical leaves and your phone calls, John Pinkus, of course, here, courtesy Sam Fiore to Market LLP. You want to reach out to John uh, after the show? Any other time, 1 855 821 59 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. John, what's the uh, what's the second matter you're gonna talk about, pal?
1: Yeah, so this second situation I was gonna talk about is someone who was terminated after 20 years of employment. Uh, and this is someone who was in a sales management position for a mid-sized software and consulting company uh he managed a team of outside salespeople that were responsible for a particular region and at the end of the year he would get a bonus based on the contributions his team made how many sales they got was there any attrition in his group etc it was it was a variety of different you know kind of quantitative and qualitative factors now it was a discretionary bonus But he happened to receive that bonus every year for for basically Mm -hmm. the last 10 years of his employment, um, which is when he was promoted to this position. So about a week ago, um, he was told that because of a restructuring, he was going to be let go. Now, in fairness, the severance package offered to him was not terrible. He was offered, at least at first blush, he was offered 18 months pay, only a little bit below his full entitlements. Uh, But the reason he called us Is because as it turned out, it was not in fact 18 months pay, but 18 months base salary only. And his bonus happened to be worth a significant amount of money. So, in fact, you know, the offer was really worth much, much less than 18 months pay. And the law says when you are let go, you receive all components of your compensation, Mm -hmm. your salary, your commissions, which can be huge, right? Your bonus, your benefits. If you have a taxable vehicle allowance that shows up on your T4, uh, that is compensable. Your pension contributions everything that you received as a personal benefit to you in exchange for the work you did for the company that is part of your full entitlements to severance so what is the lesson here well when you are reviewing a severance package make sure that you know not just how many months you're getting but how much the total compensation is because the devil really could be in the details and once you sign off on that that's it so if you're ever in doubt or the severance package maybe looks a little bit light after going to severance or maybe it does look like it's adequate but you're not really sure what exactly they're giving you give us a call and we can talk to you about whether it's a severance package that should be negotiated because as we often say in this show the vast majority of severance packages are completely inadequate and so chances are it probably should be negotiated.
0: You know, you, you mentioned their compensation, or at least um, commissions, in there as well, John. I mean, it, it seems obvious, but if someone's been working for several years and they get let go, commissions, as you know, quite often in the sales role, fluctuate from year to year, maybe even month to month. How do you calculate the severance based on that uh, up and down volume of money?
1: Well, typically what we're going to do is we're going to look at the T4s over the last few years. Uh, were there, you know, are any of these T4s outliers? So for example, if we're talking about commissions, was one year really big because there was a huge sale for a particular client that's, you know, three times as high as the others? Is one year really low because you had a medical leave or because of COVID or something like that? Uh, and then we, uh Basically, extrapolate what would it have been reasonable uh, for you to expect, or what is the average historical commissions uh, that you earned? And that's the basis of the severance package.
0: It's good stuff to know. Again, anytime you want to reach out to, uh, to John and get more details, you can 1-855-821-5900. There's also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Great website, free, anonymous. You'll learn so much by going to that website, even before that phone call. So, so check that out. Everything you need to know about medical leaves, John, uh, some confusion here right off the top. How long can somebody be away from work for medical reasons?
1: Well, there is actually no set length of time that you're allowed to be away, right? So there is a, you know, if you look in the Employment Standards Act, you'll see that there is a a predetermined amount of sick days that you're entitled to under that act. But that does not mean that if you are unwell, or if you are injured, you need to go into work. Uh, the human rights code has protection uh, that applies to uh, anything that counts as a disability. And what counts as a disability is very, very broad. It doesn't have to be Mm. visible. It doesn't have to be physical. It can certainly be psychological. It can be environmental. Uh, There's a lot of things that justify you being away from work. You know, the biggest justification, you have a medical professional that says you should be home from work. And if you've gotten that note, you've Promptly communicated it to your employer, then you can stay home for work. You know, we we talked about this a lot, particularly in the in the uh, uh, you know in the height of COVID nineteen. If someone, if if you are feeling sick, you know, for goodness sake, for your sake, for the sake of those around you, uh, you need to stay home. You absolutely should be staying home, and you should be getting a note uh, to do that. Um, and know that even if your entitlement. Uh, to short-term disability benefits ends or long-term disability benefits ends, that does not mean that you are obligated to return to work. You still go to your doctor and find out, you know, how long is it, is it really necessary for me to stay off?
0: And that's where the confusion lies. I think people realize, you know, the doctor says you're going to need, need to be off for a month or two months or whatever. They say, yeah, but doc, I only have 10 sick days. How am I going to make that possible?
1: Yeah, although in fairness, uh, the confusion and often it's it's perfectly innocent confusion, but the confusion is often on the employer side of this, right? The employee knows they can't go back to work. The employee knows their doctor yeah. um, has told them they need recovery, and they know how they are feeling. But on the employer side, you know, they often have a, a somewhat simplistic view of it, right? They get that that uh, disability notification because employers are often in very close contact with the insurer and the insurer says, oh, you know what? They are no longer eligible for disability. And so the employer says, well, okay, well, they're no longer eligible for it. So I no longer have the obligation to hold their job if they don't come back. And of course, that is not how it works at all. Uh, But you can see how employers may have that misconception.
0: Um. Does an employer have the right to ask an employee for their medical information and a diagnosis, or, or or what can they ask? I'll put it that way.
1: There are certain things that an employer is entitled to. They are entitled to, while you are on the medical leave, to know how long it is expected you're going to be on the medical leave. Perhaps when your next assessment is, they are entitled to know the prognosis. So is there an expectation that you will be going back to the office Um, if you are in the at the point where you are ready to return uh, and you are uh, and your employer is getting ready to welcome you back they may have the right to request a functional abilities form to get information about the nature of your restrictions what you're going to be able to do what you're not going to be able to do Um, and you know so some of the physical restrictions may not apply in the office setting but there may be some you know psychological things that they want to go through importantly they, are not, um, uh, they do not have the right, they are not entitled to know all of the details about your diagnosis, the nature of your condition, and what you've gone through. This really is a need-to-know kind of situation. And what the employer needs to know is, how can we plan for your return? Right. And if it's not related to that in some way, they're not entitled to know that.
0: That kind of brings up the next point, that is what happens to that employee's job while they're on the medical leave? Do they have to regularly update their employer on the condition? How often should they be doing that as well? The more often the better, generally speaking. uh, An
1: employee's job is held for them when they are on a medical leave, uh, much like an employee's job has to be held for them while they are on a parental leave or any other statutory leave. So the employer uh, may have to get a temporary replacement. They may have to have others uh, cover for you. And I certainly do not envy uh, employers um, who um, you know have to manage that on a regular basis. It can be very challenging, but it is yeah. their obligation. They have to do it. Um, and when you are ready to come back, they have to either give you the job that you had or give you something reasonably comparable. What you have to do as an employee is you have to cooperate. And the, the best way you can cooperate is by regularly updating your employer and being responsive to their requests. Now, if their requests seem, you know, a little bit, uh, Uh, beyond what they should be doing, then you may want to speak with us and and we can help you respond to that. But if all they're asking for is, hey, we want to know when you're going to be back. We want to know if you're going to have restrictions if you're coming back soon. That's information you
0: should be cooperating with. Some people through work or even a private insurer have some sort of disability coverage, short-term disability, long-term disability. What do they do? Um, They start panicking, right? They're not approved for LTD or their claim gets cut off. Then what?
1: Right. So if your claim is cut off, the first thing you should do is speak with a disability lawyer. And fortunately, uh, John, as you know better than I do, uh, we have uh, a disability show uh, where we talk about all these issues on a a regular basis. Well, not not myself, but you do. um, With, uh, you know, the the fine lawyers at ST Law who focus on um, LTD coverage issues. Um, So, That is something you want to focus on. It's probably something you want to resolve before dealing with the situation with your employer because that the disability is always, uh, or almost always, I should say, the priority. Um, But in terms of what to do with your employer in the meantime, uh, what you want to do is listen to your doctor. If your doctor says you can't go back to work, um, then you shouldn't be going back to work. If your doctor says you can go back to work, well, you that may shed some doubt on your disability claim and then it's just about accommodations. Uh, but as long as you have a medical professional saying this is not the time, that's what you communicate to your employer and don't worry if they say, well, your disability coverage ended, we need you back. That's just not the way it works.
0: Yeah, and as far as the cutoff portion, as you mentioned, uh, you know, disability law shows on the station uh, several times during the weekend, and yeah, you guys do. The other half of the hallway of the firm is dealing with disability law because there is so much crossover between employment and disability, so don't uh, don't ever hesitate to reach out and solve that problem for sure. Now, when an employee, when they're ready to return from work uh, from that medical leave, I'll ask you this. What we am going to get to the employer in a second if they say no, but what happens, what's the person to get their, their ducks in a row before they come back? What should they know? What should they do?
1: well the first thing that you should do is communicate it to your employer and, and as soon as possible right just like um you know if you have if uh, the comparison I, I like to draw here is if you're on a parental leave right you may not know exactly when you're planning a return but as soon as you know when you'd like to return um, you have to give your employer notice. And in fact, under the Employment Standards Act, that's typically um, four weeks notice at least. And, and the more, the better. So if you know, hey, if you're talking to your doctor and doctor's saying, yeah, you know what, uh, it's November, I, I think by the end of January, you should be good to go. That should be communicated to your employer right away. Um, and that will help them plan um, and if you have restrictions, that's also the time to tell them about restrictions right. that can Good evolve call. over time. So you may want to get updated doctor's notes. You may want your doctor to say, this is the restrictions for now. This may change. It may improve or worsen. Um, and you and uh, if your employer is on the ball, uh, they will probably ask that preemptively. Oh, now you're ready to return to work. Well, let us know what you're going to be able to do and what you're not going to be able to do. Uh, Because depending on the kinds of things that you can do, uh, you may not be able to go back to the position you held. Your employer might have to try and find a position that meets your restrictions.
0: And I'll get to one more. You're ready to go back just before you get into a break. Now you're all ready to go, but uh, we're going to find out what happens if the employer says, what, I'm going to take it back. Wait a minute here. We'll cover that and we'll continue. More Employment Law Show is on the way. You betcha. We are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us, inquiring about something to do with your work life, where you spend most of your free time, really. I mean, Kind of depressing, right? You want to spend more time on, on the beach and with your kids, but reality sets in, man. You got to spend a lot of time at work, so you really got to have your employment lot of ducks in a row and know, uh, know your options. We're currently talking uh, this morning, or at least today anyway, with um, everything you need to know about medical leaves. John Pincus is your guy, partner, to Mark and LLP. You can reach out to John anytime you would uh, you would like. Always good for a chit-chat, 2 fifty nine hundred Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, we mentioned, John, as we just get uh, down to the the end of this talk before we move on, though, everything you need to no medical leaves. Yeah, you're good. You're even cleared by your medical team. Your doctor's uh, giving you his blessing, says, yeah, you're good to go back to work, whether it's full on or with some accommodation or restrictions. But your employer says, eh, you know what? I'm good. I don't need you, or we don't need you yet, or we don't have a job for you. Then what do we do?
1: Well, if it is a, as simple as that, it's it's very likely going to be a human rights violation. I mean, one of the questions that I would have if your employer is saying the latter, saying we don't have a job for you, well, why don't you have a job for me, right? Mm-hmm. Is it because, um, you know, uh, the company lost a huge account and the role has been discontinued? Or is it because, well, someone else in the job and we just like them better, Right. Um, and I've actually had the experience of you know having uh, many employers come to me and say, you know what, since this person's been off work, uh, this person's really been working out for us. Do we have to bring this person back? And the answer is always yes, you do. Um, yeah. That's the person's job. They have a right to it when they come back. Just because you like the person and you made that person may genuinely be better at the job, but um, if you are denying someone the right to their job because they were on a medical leave that is going to be a human rights violation uh, just about every time. Um, So that is a big red flag. uh, If your employer is saying, uh, you know, we can't come back, uh, you can't come back from a medical leave. Um, So, you know, if the employer is saying, well, we can't accommodate you, well, that that Mm -hmm. might be a different question, right? So if you're saying... Um, I need to have a new office built for me in order for my uh, for me to be able to do my job. Now, well, your employment might be frustrated at that point. You would actually be entitled to some severance, but it's going to be only your minimum entitlements if your employment has become impossible because of your medical condition, and and that has become the case, right? So, uh, and that's also the case, by the way. If you are uh, been out of work for five, you know, four, five, six years, and it's looking like you're not going to be able to return in the foreseeable future, uh, then then it could be frustrated at law and you could just be entitled to your minimum entitlements. But if on the other hand, you're trying to come back and you're saying, hey, I just need to leave an hour early on Friday so I can go to these appointments and your employer says, Oh, you know what? I'd love to accommodate you, but we really need you here for that extra hour. That's going to be a big question in my mind. Is that really undue hardship is what we call is that really undue hardship for your employer to give you an hour off work? Once a week, at the end of the week, on a temporary basis, almost certainly it's not going to be, and that's going to be a human rights violation.
0: So if you if you're ready to come back, and your employer says, "You know what? You were good, but your replacement is a rock star. We don't want to get rid of this person." Unlike a uh, parental leave, where you got to be brought back to the exact job you had when you walked out the door. Is a medical leave different as long as they find you similar work somewhere within the company? Unless, of course, the entire department's been let go, then you don't have a job that makes perfect sense. But can they get you equal job and parental leave? I'm correct on that, right? You have to be given the same job regardless of how good your replacement is, right? Well, you're, you're right
1: about that, but the same rule really people who are on a medical leave. So when you come back, um. they have to give you the same job unless your restrictions are such that the same job doesn't really make sense for you to do anymore. But basically, we're looking at the same thing. Does that job exist uh, at the company still? Um, And if so, uh, then that's the job you should be given. The only thing that makes the medical leave really different is that if you interim, in terms of your ability to do your job, then the employer might say, well, this job does not fit your restrictions. And therefore, the only thing we can give you is this job. That job may come with a lower pay, uh, but if that's the only job that you can do, then that's the job you have the right to come back to.
0: And again, if it's confusing, uh, if you're dealing with any of this or in the future, or if you know someone who might be, always reach out to John. Get the answers before you, you, you take the leap, right? one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 John, I want to get to an email that came in from Kimberly. She says, hey, guys, I was, I was fired and I just found out that the company should have been paying me overtime for the last four years. Is there anything I can do about it now?
1: Well, there is something that uh, that you can do about it. First of all, you know, in the context of uh, someone uh, losing your job, normally I would say if you have an overtime issue, you may want to consider going to the Ministry of Labor. But if you also lost your job at the same time, that is not something you should be going to the Ministry of Labor for because, of course, as we always say, you do not go to the Ministry of Labor when it comes to severance issues. Uh, so the law does say that If you have not been paid something like overtime or vacation pay and you are only discovering it now, then notwithstanding the general rule that you can only go back two years, we may actually be able to go back even further than that. So we may actually be able to pursue the entire four years of lost overtime, in addition to your severance package, which you have to look at to see, you know, is it adequate? Uh, so these are things we can handle together. We should handle them together, and you should give us a call so we can look at both of those entitlements and pursue both of them for you.
0: want to get to Terry here as well. Just wrote in says, hey, John, love the show. My employer says uh, they don't have to pay me severance because, of, oh, this one again, because the payroll is under $2.5 million. Is that true? Where does that come uh, from? This
1: one again. Where does that come from? <laughs> that comes. Uh, that comes from the Ministry of Labor. Although employers. Um have less and less excuse because the Ministry of Labor has gotten better at giving disclaimers at saying that the entitlement may actually be greater than this. So employers have less of an excuse to say, "Oh, you know, that's what the Ministry of Labor told me." Well, the Ministry of Labor is getting better at this. Uh, so likely they they read it very selectively or they read it in a very cursory way uh, because that is, of course not the end of the story. Uh, for the vast majority of employees, they're going to have the right to their full severance entitlements. And for when it comes to your full severance entitlements, it does not matter what the size right. of the payroll is. It does not matter at all. The severance entitlements are exactly the same. If you're provincially regulated, if you're federally regulated, if you're at a small company, if you're at a huge enterprise, it does not matter.
0: Terry, Kimberly, thanks guys. We're going to take a short break, get back into uh, some more stuff here on the show. This is the Employment Law Show. Hang in there. You bet. We're back. A few minutes to go. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in there. We can always reach out to John and the team. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. Now, we did mention the, uh, the website a couple times already during the show, but it's always worth another plug. That would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Why go there? Because it is full of free uh, information. It's anonymous as well. You can educate yourself even before calling John on that phone. There's so much to be learned and uh, your questions may be answered simply by going to that website. And it also contains the severance pay calculator that is rolled into pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Over 2 million people have gone through that 30-second uh, program anonymously and figured out what their severance should be. Usually a shocking number, but it's worth you uh, making a few clicks on the mouse and maybe using your cell phone to flip through some of the options on Severance Pay Calculator and find out exactly what that that, that number, that information would be. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get to a call or two in the, uh, the remaining minutes of the show, John. But first, you know, some most common employment law questions. You get these daily, if not weekly and this big one, this is one of the top ones. It's that first phone call you again. They say, John, I didn't do anything wrong. How, how can they terminate my employment? I've been a stellar employee.
1: Well, uh, you know what? They, they actually can't always terminate your employment. There are certain circumstances where the employer is restricted from doing so. So uh, for certain employees who work for federally, federally regulated industries like telecommunications, mm-hmm. um, they they actually um, in many cases have to show that they've discontinued the role Um In uh, other situations, if you're on a protected leave or just coming back from a protected leave, that could be, you know, we were talking about medical leaves today. That can be a situation where your employer cannot let you go, but 90% of the time or more, the employer probably can let you go. The question is, have they paid you the proper severance? You know, and, and this leads to a lot of people take this as a misnomer when they hear the words wrongfully dismissed. Oh, I was wrongfully dismissed. So if I was wrongfully dismissed, that means they did not have the right to terminate me. They shouldn't have terminated me. And that's actually, although that's what it sounds like, that's not what it actually means. What it means is that they did not pay you enough severance or they didn't give you enough advance notice or both. Uh, and that is what we are pursuing when we're talking about pursuing wrong off with a dismissal or um, dealing with the uh, severance package that you've been uh, given. Because if you're terminated on a without cause basis, you know, all of the things being equal, an employer can do that. We just have to go look on the severance pay calculator, talk to one of us and say, okay, is that severance package? Is that, is that up to par? Chances are it's not.
0: Let's get to uh, Mark on the line. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking the time and hanging on there, pal. What's going on with you today? Hey, good morning. So this just goes back
3: to uh, an employer who I've since uh, left the company. But uh, the reason is is that they have claimed that they have not been paid on two contracts uh, and to pay me my commission, which I did not receive. I've asked them for correspondence. I've asked them what type of enforcement or action they've taken uh, to collect on these monies they refuse to give me any is that a a logical excuse from a company just basically saying we haven't gotten paid i mean they're they're basically um have a responsibility i would assume to their employee to ensure that that funds are paid on the employee's behalf but yet they want to give me no information whatsoever
1: right well this this is a situation that i actually encounter pretty frequently uh and what it comes down to are the terms of your commissions right and 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 if they haven't been reduced to writing then we just look at how it was done in practice and a very very common arrangement is that the commissions are earned and payable which uh for employment standards purposes is basically the same thing they are earned when they are payable um at the time that the company receives payment. Now, some companies have different arrangements. They say you get 50% when it's invoiced and 50% uh, when it is when it is paid. So you may have sort of separate entitlements in that sense. But uh, for some commissions plans, they say we do not give you anything until it is paid. So if you have a commission plan, I would want to see that, right? Are you entitled to 50% of it perhaps when it's invoiced, in which case uh, you may have a right to enforce that 50%? Um, Or does it simply say you get this commission when it's paid? And the reality is, if it is never paid and the terms of your commission make it very clear that you don't get anything until it is paid, then very likely, um, you don't have that entitlement. yet. Well,
3: and you just what that. if they were what if they were negligent on their behalf? What if they did something for the client not to pay them? I mean, they're basically uh, risking my earnings based on negligence on their part. What if that's mm-hmm. the case?
1: Well, it's unlikely you're going to be able to do anything about that unless you can show that they did it on purpose, right? If they did it purposely to disentitle you to the commission, you know, and there's that kind of bad faith, I would say there's probably something that could be done there. But if it's simply, well, they're just really bad at managing the company, they're really bad at managing right. their accounts, then unfortunately, that's just that's just kind of the deal, can, right? That's but the can deal any we company
3: have. just Can any company just claim an excuse of not being paid without showing actual facts of that being the case? I mean, I guess anybody then can just claim, well, we haven't gotten paid, so we're not paying you. Uh, and no, no,
1: it's, it's, um, no, it's, it's not quite that simple. Fortunately, uh, you could, uh, for example, bring a claim at either the ministry of labor, uh, or perhaps the small claims court, depending on the amount, could be superior court. Um, and. Once you assert a claim to commissions, whatever forum you decide to, to do it in, which you know you, you, you may want uh, to, to discuss it with us if you're if you're thinking of pursuing it that way, um, at that point the employer does have to open their records, right? They do right. have to be transparent and show what they've been paid and what they have been paid, and if you can, hmm. uh, you, you'll have the right to go through those records, or you know, the, in the the Ministry's case, the Employment Standards Officer will have the right to go through those records. And if it shows that they've been paid, then you may have an enforceable right to that commission.
3: Right. Uh, do I limit my rights through the Ministry of Labor or am I better off going through like a small claim score that's under $30,000?
1: <laughs> yeah. So if, if the only issue is commissions, um, I find the employment standards process to be pretty expedient. Um, if, you know, if there's some other issue as well, then you, you, you may want to, to go through, um, through court. Um, it, it, it really depends on whether you're doing it, um, on your own or you want to do it with the help of a lawyer. Often I say, if you're going to do it with a lawyer, it may make sense to go through court because there's some other mechanisms we can use that are not available at the ministry. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're going to do it on your own, certainly the ministry is going to be more, uh, you know, user friendly, uh, for, for lack of a better term.
3: Right. Okay. Well, uh, is there any way I could follow up with you with regards to this?
0: Yeah, I'm going to give you that, do. uh, yeah, I'll give you that information right now, Mark. The, uh, the phone number is always a good place to start, pal. one 821 Again, one The email address always is help at employmentlawyer.ca or simply go to employmentlawyer.ca. Mark, that's the firm website. Lots of information there and that'll pretty much be a wrap for us. John Pinkus always available at that aforementioned phone number and we'll catch you again next time on the Employment Law Show.